Well, the Baltimore Ravens, the most feared team in the AFC. We talk about that and so much more coming up on this Purple Friday edition of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for always being here, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available, all podcasting platforms, as an audio form anywhere you get your shows, in video form on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by BetterHelp. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash on today to get 10% off of your first month. We're five days a week here on Lockdown Ravens, Monday through Friday. No breaks, even on holidays. We put out our crossover Thursday on Thanksgiving. So a happy post-Thanksgiving to everybody. Again, I hope it was filled with some friends, some family, some football, some good food, the, the, all the Fs of Thanksgiving, right? But you can subscribe here on YouTube. You can follow along in audio form as well for Ravens news analysis updates. Tell the friends, tell the family member we have their Ravens coverage for them five days a week, no matter what, plus more exclusive content over on subtext. And of course, new live shows on YouTube you can find in audio form as well. Thank you so much for all the support here. And we're going to talk Ravens today. And talk about if the Ravens are the most feared team in the AFC. Right now, obviously, the Ravens are the number one seed in the conference with the Chiefs losing on Monday night to the Eagles. And we're going to talk about the the top of the top in the AFC in the first part of the show. Then we'll move a bit into the Ravens and Chargers game that's coming up on Sunday night. We'll get into a preview of that game. Then we'll look at the improvement a little bit across the board for the Ravens that I think has happened for them as the season has gone on, which kind of aligns with what I was thinking was going to happen anyway. So we'll talk about all that here today. Let's start in the AFC, where I mentioned it. The Ravens are in that top spot at 8-3 and now. A reason for that is because you have the Chiefs, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Browns all at 7-3, and and that's because they've all had their bye. The Ravens, of course, have their bye coming up after Week 12. But Baltimore, look, they've they've earned that spot. They've been road warriors this year, going four and one away from MT Bank Stadium. Obviously, four and two at home as well is not too shabby. But the the first stat I look to, and I'm I'm gonna have a couple stats here to I guess argue for and against. I'm gonna go with the four first, and that is differential, point differential here. The Ravens are plus 127. That's best in the AFC by a pretty wide margin. And in the NFL, it's tied with Dallas, plus 127 for both Baltimore and Dallas. In the AFC, it's Baltimore 127. Then you have the Bills at plus 104, which, again, kind of surprising considering how their season has gone so far. Maybe they'll turn it around without Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady becomes their, their savior. But then after the Ravens and the Bills, it's the Dolphins coming in at plus 67, the Chiefs come in at plus 61. Then you have teams like the Browns, the Texans, the Jaguars, et cetera. And the playoff teams you're talking about point differential. The one that's making a case right now is the Steelers, and they're minus 29 somehow in point differential, and they're right in the thick of things still at five and six with a pretty easy schedule. But for the most part, again, Baltimore still in that top spot. And they, it, the, the reason I bring up differential is because they're dominating both offensively now at least and defensively. The defense has been pretty consistent all season. The offense has been kind of up and down, right? We've talked about the inconsistencies, but 
They've scored 30-plus in five straight games. That is definitely a start. You see Odo Beckham, Brown and back into form. Rashad Bateman, same thing. We'll get into that more in the final part of the show. But to me, it's going to be really important for the Ravens to continue dominating that way because you look at the other teams in the AFC. The Chiefs, their defense has been a lot better. Credit to them. They've been a lot better defensively than a lot of people anticipated. They've actually allowed the least amount of points in the AFC and the second least amount of points in the league at 164, even better than Baltimore. Baltimore's allowed 177. Kansas City is allowed 164. So credit to the Chiefs defense. They have some ballers on that side of the ball, but you look at the Chiefs offense. Obviously, you got to give respect to Mahomes. Got to give respect to Kelsey. Have some, some ballers on the offensive line too. But the receiver position is just so weak over there. It, it, it's so, so weak. Ever since Tyree Kill left, it just hasn't been the same. They have Rasheed Rice, who's kind of come on strong a little bit, but we saw Marquez Valdez-Scantling drop what would have been the game-winning or at least go-ahead touchdown at that point. They have other guys like Justin Watson, and there are a few guys who, you know, maybe on a weak basis here and a weak basis there you can trust, but Kadarius Tony has been as inconsistent as ever over there in Kansas City, and I, I just – feel like with the Ravens offense, they're a much more balanced unit. Isaiah Pacheco has been awesome this year. I'm, I'm a huge Isaiah Pacheco guy. But again, top three receivers, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. You have Sky Moore, who I think has been a relative disappointment since being drafted. Darius Toney, who we talked about. Nicole Harmon, who they brought back. They're just, there's no juice there. And so it's almost like the, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's almost like what the Ravens are going through. Last season, two years ago, before they brought in all these receivers, where it was Mark Andrews and, you know, you had Marquise Brown at times, et cetera, but Travis Kelsey over there and nobody else. So I think that right now, despite how good the Chiefs defense has been, and despite the fact that they have Mahomes, Pacheco, and Kelsey, I'll give the edge to the Ravens right now. Now, it depends. The number one seed is going to mean a lot between those two teams. You know how tough it is to play at Arrowhead. We know how tough it is to play at MSC Make Stadium. Both places really, really tough to play. So that's going to be key. But then you look at the other teams that are in this conversation. You look to the Jacksonvilles of the world, the Miamis of the world, and there are conversation points. I think Jacksonville, Jake, Luke, and I, we, we talked about it on the Wednesday show. Jacksonville just seems weirdly underrated. I'm not saying they're not good. I think they are. But I just personally, I haven't heard a lot about Jacksonville. I know Travis Etienne is balling this year. Christian Kirk picking up where he left off. I know Calvin Ridley's kind of been up and down. Trevor Lawrence as well, kind of up and down. But hey, you know what? They're a 7-3 football team. They're road warriors too. They haven't lost a game away from home. They're 4-0. So their struggles have actually come at home for the most part. That's why they have losses. They're 3-3. and Miami, the conversation is can they beat good teams? You, you look at their schedule right now, and their only impressive win comes, you could argue it was the Chargers, but even that in itself is not impressive because it, you can honestly argue maybe Denver, but Denver is still figuring it out. Denver looks like a much better football team now, but their wins have been Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, Panthers, Patriots, Raiders. Their losses have been Bills, Eagles, and Chiefs. So there is a conversation about is Miami just feasting on bad teams right now, or is there actual substance to the way that they play we're going to see because they have games against the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills to end out their schedule. But before that, it's Jets, Commanders, Titans, and Jets again. So they could stack some wins before having to play those tough teams. Cleveland, the defense is obviously great. I still have questions about the offense, especially with Deshaun Watson out. I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, to me, is not the answer this year. I think he has potential. I think he can be a great quarterback, but he needs time. I, I just don't think this is his time yet. Is Joe Flacco the answer? I don't, I don't know. 
be kind of it, it'd be a, a punch to the gut for Ravens fans if he was the answer for him going to a division rival and everything. But I don't know. I, I just don't trust the quarterback situation there. So to me, you talk about the AFC. It's it's a two team race for the top spot in my opinion between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Again, depending on how you feel about Jacksonville, depending on how you feel about Miami, maybe even Cleveland, you, you can kind of throw those in that conversation. But I think for now, the Chiefs receiver position just scares me so much if, if I'm a Kansas City fan because there is so much riding on that position, especially in a playoff setting, where if you're not getting the production out of that group, sure, you have Travis Kelsey. He's awesome. But Mahomes is awesome. And Pacheco was great too. But your receivers have to step up in moments. And I, I just don't – I trust the Ravens group much more, even though both defenses also have been awesome. So you, you can debate whether it's Mahomes or Jackson, whether you want to go with Edwards or Pacheco or Andrews or Kelsey or the Ravens defense or the Chiefs defense. But there is such a gap to me between the Ravens receiver room and the Chiefs receiver room. I think teams do fear playing the Ravens. I think they fear playing the Chiefs too. Don't get me wrong. Those are, to me, the top two teams in this conference – but right now, the Ravens do have the upper hand. They're eight and three compared to the Chiefs, seven and three. So I will say, right now, they're the most feared team. Obviously, you have to still work out some of the stuff with the blown fourth quarter leads, the self inflicted mistakes, but they are getting better, which again will be the basis of our final part of the show. But coming up in the second part of the show, we'll get into a Ravens Chargers preview, another primetime game on the docket. So be sure to stay tuned, plan to talk about it on the show. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team was. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better place and no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overrunners, and more. There were plenty of juicy bets over on FanDuel for Thanksgiving. And obviously, with the Ravens and Chargers coming up primetime on Sunday night, maybe you want to take... Another Odo Beckham Jr. anytime touchdown score. Maybe the over for Zay Flowers receiving yards. Gus Edwards anytime touchdown score. That's looking pretty good. Or maybe you want to go bold with the Keaton Mitchell anytime touchdown score. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel for your partner of the NFL. We're back. It's our second segment of Locked On Ravens Purple Friday edition. Post-Thanksgiving, Kevin Striker still talking with you here and we're now going to dive into the Ravens and Chargers Sunday night football matchup still crazy to me that Baltimore only has one primetime matchup this year at home they're going to be going to the west coast to play the Chargers they got the Jaguars and then they have the 49ers so three primetime matchups that kind of you know I wish one of them would have been at home for the Ravens I feel like they should have gotten one but Unfortunately, only the Bengals will be that prime time. Maybe there's a flex game that happens, but for now, that's what we have. But this is an opportunity for the Ravens against this Chargers team that is obviously reeling right now with the whole Brandon Staley situation going on and just just feels like the wind is quickly coming out of the sails. They're a four and six football team. And at this point, I think there are multiple ways you can exploit this Chargers offense and defense. First of all, the Chargers are a terrible pass defense. They rank 30th in the NFL, third worst in the NFL, if you want to go by that metric, giving up 6.9 yards per attempt. This Ravens offense, I think, has found their stride recently. Lamar Jackson, we mentioned Odo Beckham and, say, Flowers or Job Bateman, all those guys. The Ravens right now have the sixth best passing offense in the league. They're a top 10 offense in both passing and rushing, which I think some people don't really get. I feel like it's 
all the inconsistency is, well, they can't be a top 10 offense in rushing and passing. They just, they're too inconsistent, but they've been solid for most of the season. Honestly, it's just been those little inconsistencies here and there, but 6.9 yards per attempt for the Ravens. Obviously you have guys in that defensive backfield, like Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr. But I, I don't know. I feel like the Ravens have the guys to go up with that secondary. It has the secondary hasn't been good in the first place. And I think a lot of it has to do with the scheme that the Chargers have been running all season long. So to me, I think that this this that's where you start is the passing offense, get in rhythm early, maybe take a couple deep shots. We talked about Mark Andrews and how that's going to impact the offense, how you adjust with that offense. And part of it is you can run some two tight end sets if you want with Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler. But I would I would utilize four receiver sets more. I'd put a, a package out there of Aguilar and uh, Beckham and, and Flowers and Bateman. I, I'd put those four out there and essentially match up one-on-one and spread the defense out, and then you can throw Gus Edwards in the flat or Keaton Mitchell in the flat. Maybe you want to put a tight end in line in that formation, which would be kind of crazy. You just do five wideouts then. But there are there are ways to start that out. Kenneth Murray is the leader and tackles on that defense. There was that remember that huge debate with Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray in that draft 2020. Murray's been okay, but again, I, I think a lot of the players, and we talked about it with Daniel too from Locked On Chargers yesterday. They have talent, but the scheme is just holding them back. And it has been the entire season. Cleo Mack obviously is a force over there in Los Angeles, 11 sacks on the season, another elite pass rusher. Joey Bosa has six and a half, but he's not going to be available for the Chargers in this one with the injury that he suffered. Sebastian Joseph Day, he's a good interior defensive line pocket pushing presence. Same thing with Morgan Fox, both those guys. So the Chargers do have some pass rush to them, but I think they've, they've just been so bad in the secondary this year. Get the ball out, short stuff, take what the defense gives you, and that's where you start. And then you can figure out where you want to go with the run game. I think you can still have Gus Edwards have a really good day just for the purpose of putting the stats out there. The Chargers, I mentioned, 30th in the NFL in passing defense while rushing their 13th. So kind of towards the upper half of the NFL there, but still not you know an elite, elite unit. That's four yards per carry they're giving up. The pat the offense has been it's been middling, 11th in passing, 18th in rushing. Austin Eckler doesn't look like himself though. Still an awesome back, still great at what he does. The receiving third out of the backfield, you gotta you gotta pay attention to where Austin Eckler is. But receiving wise, there's gonna be no Mike Williams in this one, no Josh Palmer. So Keenan Allen is your threat. You you stop Keenan Allen. It's almost like what they went through a little bit last week with the Bengals. You stop Jamar Chase. Make someone else beat you. Make someone else beat you that's not named Jamar Chase. Well, this week is make someone else beat you that's not Keenan Allen. I mean, there is the opportunity for Marlon to come back. Again, Friday's injury report, I haven't seen it yet because this is Friday's episode from the morning. But Friday's injury report, I think, will tell the full story on Marlon. So we'll see if he plays this week or not. I want, I'll, I just, I want to get the official, either he's in or out, right? I don't want to make any assumptions before Sunday, regardless of what's said. But to me, the Chargers are a team that is losing momentum. You talk about momentum, it's a momentum league in multiple different ways. But the Chargers are losing that momentum. It feels like the writing is on the wall with their season, and I don't know if the players feel it, but we talk about the Chargers, and everybody talks about the Chargers, as a team that cannot win one-score games. I don't know how close this game is going to be. I don't know what the the game script is going to look like, but you do not want – to be the team. We talked about it yesterday. You do not want to be the team to lose two 
the Chargers in a one-score game. You want to come out fast, come out aggressive, and come out early. And for these teams that are losing win, for the teams that are the underdogs, the way that you beat the Ravens is you slop the game up and make it an ugly game. For the Ravens, they have avoided that from teams like, and I'm not saying the Lions and Seahawks are bad, but that's essentially what they did and avoided losses like that, or at least the chance to have a loss like that because they got up so much. They got up by so much in that game. There was no opportunity. So you don't want to give the Chargers an opportunity to bounce in there and hang around like we saw the Colts do, hang around like the Steelers did, or out-physical you like the Browns did. So Chargers have talent. I honestly don't know why their record isn't better. I mean, I, I do. It's Brandon Staley. But they have talent. You cannot take a team with talent and just say, oh, it's not been working all season. We're going to we're gonna walk through this. Baltimore has to get up for this game. Primetime, under the lights, Sunday night football. Second straight primetime game. I think they will get up for it. I'm, I, I am confident that they will. But you have to factor in with no Mike Williams, no Josh Palmer. Keaton Allen's the really only threat there, plus Austin Eckler, right? But to me, I just think the Ravens can exploit multiple things. And I think the first thing you got to go and exploit is their secondary because it has not been great for them over the course of the season. But coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk about the improvement the Ravens have had across the board. Let me show the state tuned playing to talk about it on the show. First, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And the end of the year season can be a little tricky sometimes. Of course, the holidays are great to look forward to, but maybe sometimes a struggle with the seasonal blues. And this time of year can be a lot. It's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it, but adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change. Something to look forward to, make you feel grounded, to give you the tools to manage everything going on. And Therapy has so many different types of benefits, such as helping learning positive coping skills, helps how to set boundaries, can even empower you to become the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma, it's for everyone. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We return our final segment of Locked On Ravens rounding out the week on Purple Friday. Kevin Ostriker still talking with you here. Thank you again, as always, for tuning in with me today. Whether you're on every day or you listen every single day, if it's your first time in, welcome into the channel. Hope you stay for a while. And if you're somewhere in the middle, welcome back. I appreciate you tuning back in here to the show. You can subscribe on YouTube and audio form. Whether you want to watch one day, listen another, it's the same show, so you're not missing out on any content, regardless of how you want to watch or listen to this show. I appreciate all the support here, as always. And this Ravens team is looking good, 8-3, and three, a really good spot. I mean, if I said that, hey, you know what, through 11 weeks, the Ravens will be 8-3, and three, I think most people would be happy. Now, if I told you how they lost the games, <laughs> I uh, don't think you'd be happy about that. But I still think 8-3 and three is great, top of the AFC conference. And part of it's been the improvements. Early in the season, we know what happened with the offense. It was, it was a new system. They brought in new pieces. And it was to be expected that they were going to struggle a little bit. That, that was always going to be the case. But – kind of piling on top of everything was the injuries. They lose Ronnie Stanley. They lose Tyra Linderbaum, Odo Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman. The list goes on. They lost guys for a game here and two games there and three games here and four games there. It just, it kept happening. The JK injury happened and Keaton Mitchell didn't play for, you know, he was on IR to start the year. So 
not only were they trying to fit in a new system, get reps together, but the injuries took that away. And now that the Ravens got relatively healthy from about week three to week 10, week nine, they had that time to get back and just get reps together. Lamar and Odell getting reps. They haven't played together before. Rashad Bateman coming back from his injury. He, he's been injured for a good portion of his career. So to have him back right now healthy is key. And part of it too is the Ravens want Odell healthy and contributing now. This is when you want that to start. Early in the season, it was about the ramp up, feeling comfortable, getting healthy, getting back to the Odell that so many knew earlier on. And look, again, I've said it many times. If you're an everyday, you're probably sick of me saying it, but this was never going to be prime New York Giants Odell. It, it wasn't. But if he could be a low wide receiver one, a low end wide receiver one by the time the season ended, that that's your best case. Wide receiver two, he'll take it. High wide receiver three, not ideal, but you take that too. Right now he's playing like probably a high-end wide receiver too. He's probably he's playing like that right now. First over 100-yard game since 2021. He has bounced back. He looks good. He looks spry. We're seeing the moves we saw from Odell earlier in his career. Now he has the shoulder thing. We're going to see how long that is, You know how long it lingers for him. But he, he looks good right now, and I think that – even with Rashad Bateman, you can have the same conversation about just getting back up to speed, getting acclimated. And I just think so many people forget how good of a route running trio, Zay Flowers, Odo Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman is. All three of those guys, incredible. We know that Zay came out as a great route runner. Rashad Bateman came out of the draft as a great route runner too. I know Odell's been a great route runner for his entire career. So those three guys, it, it kind of makes the market injury injury sting a little more because when everybody was getting healthy. The offense was rolling. They're going to have to adjust with Andrews out. But I've been impressed not only with the players, but also the coaches. Now, Todd Munkin still has made some questionable calls consistently over the course of the year. But I think the offense is finally settling in and playing within themselves. And the run-pass ratio is getting better. I just think everything is settling into place for them. And this is what we wanted, right? This is exactly what we wanted. Where the Ravens, in order to be a great team, you can't peak in October. You you can't go on a four-game win streak in October, a five-game win streak in October, and say – all right, we did what we were supposed to do. We can, the job's finished. Job's not finished till February. You want to start your peak in November, continue the upward descent into December, completely get up there in January, and then hit the top of that peak in the Super Bowl. And then, then you know, you can come down after the Super Bowl. This is when you want to start that. And I think the Ravens are slowly getting there. And, and it's really important because even defensively, they've been great all season. They've been great all year. They've been an elite unit. They've been awesome. But Again, for guys like Adafi Owe, who for Owe, slow start to his career, wasn't necessarily living up to the standards that I guess some people had for him coming out of Penn State and getting acclimated first year. I thought he had a solid rookie season, but definitely endured that second year slump. So this third year was really important for both him and honestly Rashad Bateman when we're talking about picking up fifth year options. And we can talk about the Patrick Queen reasoning for the Ravens and the reason they didn't do it, but it was a mistake for them not to pick up that option. I think they pick up both guys this upcoming offseason in OA and Bateman, but guys have improved over the course of the season. Guys have stepped up. Geno Stone has improved dramatically. Brandon Stevens has improved dramatically. Justin Matabike is breaking out. You know, Kyle Van Noyen, Jadavion, all these guys. The defense has, again, been the calling card for this team. They've had to drag that offense across the finish line for multiple games this season. And again, they, they deserve a lot from that offense or the kind of the early season carrying they did. But the pure peak and the true peak of this Ravens team, something we've wanted to see for so long is that complimentary football. We talked about it in the offseason. 
How can your offense complement your defense? How can defense complement the offense? It was just the defense doing its thing early in the season with their consistency. The offense was showing a little bit, but was inconsistent here and there. But now we're starting to see when both units play hand in hand. If you if you want to throw special teams in there, definitely some struggles in that area this year. But I think that all three units, if they can play together hand in hand, this team is as tough to beat as anybody in this league. And there are some good teams in the league this year. The Ravens are certainly on top and are one of them. But this this strength of schedule now, you talk about the the opponents Ravens have left. This is going to tell us a lot. It's going to tell us a lot about this team. And again, in, in a situation where the Ravens can maybe get home field advantage again, it's going to be huge, right? It'd be huge if the Ravens were to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs here in the AFC. Don't have to travel to Arrowhead. I'm not saying they can't win on the road. They've shown they can do it, of course. But they're they're in a position now where they're eight and three. Again, losses, you don't want them to happen, but they, they've allowed, this is what I talk about every single year. If you win early, there's not as much pressure on you to lose late. If you lose late, there is cushion. There is leeway for you to do so, and it won't have as much of an impact on standings. Now, again, we kind of have that clump and that cluster at the top where the Ravens are in three purely because of not having their buy. So we'll see how many teams come out of the Ravens by week after they have it with the same record as the Ravens. But Baltimore's done a good job this season overall. I know there have been the ups and downs and those inconsistencies, as we've said, but eight and three is a very good place to be at right now, especially with your buy coming up. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up, we'll be back here on Sunday night after the Ravens and Chargers match up, talking about everything that happened in that game. So be sure to stay tuned, and I'll see you right back here then on Locked on Ravens.